Yes. So can you tell us about some of the, I know there's stigma with drug and alcohol, there's stigma attached to uh, mental health. Mm. So I'm aware of what is it in the white community and some of the barriers and uh, reluctance to, number one, admit that you have an issue that needs addressed. Uh, how is it in the, how, what is it in the Latino community? There is a saying in, in Spanish that says, los trapos sucios se lavan en casa. So your dirty rags, you clean in the home. So could you uh, say that just a little slower? So los trapos sucios se lavan en casa. So trapos is rags, sucio is dirty, and um, you clean them at home. You don't, you don't take your business out um, and deal with it with other people. Um, that is a big part of why people don't reach out for help. Um, another thing I hear all the time is, I'm not crazy. Yo no estoy loco. I don't have to talk to anybody that this doesn't mean. And even from my friend with schizophrenia, that's how we started. I'm not crazy. I don't need to talk to you. I'm like, that's okay. I'm Nobody's saying that. Um, so I had to get past that barrier. I think with some of my dads, I have a hard time getting them to agree that, okay, I, I need help. I need somebody to talk to. And sometimes even when moms reach out, their husbands may not be in agreement. They not want to participate. Um, they may not want to engage, even if they're in the home. Um, and in regards to working with children, I think there is a stereotype sometimes, and I'm not going to generalize because I think there's a lot of dads that are really playful. I do a lot of play therapy and to engage um, a dad in play with their son, depending on their age, is is very difficult. It's And just knowing that their child needs to play is um, in order to develop it, it's hard for them to wrap their head, head, like their minds around it. Well, generally, how I explain, and again, coming from the male Caucasian view, I try to help particularly people understand that generally males are what I call emotionally constipated. They're, <laughs> they're not able to express their thoughts and feelings as freely because they're it, it's amazing, Gloria. Uh, my four-year-old grandson is at my house right now, and he will cry mm-hmm. when he's upset, when he's hurt, these type of things. But I fully understand that he as he progresses along through the school and he gets to be around other males, and as he gets a little older, he's going to be indoctrinated into the maleness of not showing your emotions. Yes, I definitely think that. And again, I don't want to generalize because I think there are some, um, even my brothers are very emotion-filled. And um, I think I have experienced, just like I, I say, I, I have experienced some playful dads. Um, but yes, so, so there's a lot of stigma with mental health. There's a lot of stigma with needing um you know, asking for help. So what I try to help people understand at times is that that if they had diabetes or if they had mm-hmm. high blood pressure or even an ingrown toenail, 
they the they, the they would seek help for it. <laughs> and I try to help them understand that this isn't a matter of simply being weak-willed mm-hmm. or lazy. That there's a there's an undercomponent here that needs to be addressed. Yes, and that was a lot of psychoeducational piece that I needed to do with mom for her to understand what schizophrenia is. Is not you being lazy. Is not you not being motivated. Is not being a bum. It's and and the the reason for medication, which is another piece um, in regards to mental health, is if you could be if you benefit from medication then again if you had diabetes you'd get the injection if you had cancer you'd take the medication but when it's mental health and it's invisible um then you're less likely to follow treatment well i can't give someone put a thermometer in somebody's mouth and tell them well your depression is 8.4 today yeah yeah Uh, so let's let's run this scenario gloria a member of the latino committee Maybe uh, officially English is not their first language, uh, and they realize that, hey, I have an issue that I'd like to have addressed that I'm to the point where I really want to have the willingness to try, okay? How does a person like that even begin to engage services? So there's a couple of agencies here in... um Pittsburgh, who help Latino families. Um, Casa San Jose is one of those. Could you uh, could you say that again, please? Casa San Jose. Okay. Um, Sister Janice and uh, Monica Ruiz are there, and they have a team of people that will help you from advocacy to if you need a lawyer or immigration issues, your teenagers after school program. Um, they have a, a, a lieu of... Um, social services that they offer. And they actually, if you go to them, which a lot of people end up going there, then if you if they determine you need mental health or if you ask mental health, they will make a referral for myself, um, send them to my office, and sometimes even cover the cost. Um, there's um, the Latino Community Center, um, LCC, that also... Um, is doing social services. Latino Community Center? Mm-hmm. Okay. The Latino Community Center. Um, and they they also are doing a lot of food drives and home visiting, and um, they also do referrals, and you can get connected. There's also medical health hubs like East Liberty Family Healthcare Center, which also has the Lincoln-Lemington office or the Squirrel Hill Health Center. Yes. That they do have, and they do a huge effort in regards to being bilingual or having. I know the Square Hill Center not only serves Latinos, but they service immigrants from Somalia and other places. Um, and so they have translators. They have. They don't have. Med, um, East Liberty Family Health Center has a mental health therapist. Teresa Otoya works with them. And that was. It, it grew from the need of. Um, the lack of mental health services in the area. But if you go there for a medical reason, like your toenail, (laughs) and then you end up sharing that you need mental health, then they will make referrals as well. That's wonderful. So part of one of the purposes of this show and our mission is to make places, make services available for people to 
have them have the knowledge of where to go. Yeah, yeah, they can definitely go. Casa San Jose, the Latino Community Center, um, any of these um, hubs which will take non-insured and do a sliding scale for any from medical to mental to, to dental um, to mental health. Okay. So, so I would probably, I have a hunch that you're quite busy. I am. <laughs> I am. Um, and I actually, I, I have a full-time job with Infamental Health. But I also service the Latino community, and and I I can tell you, yes, I am. <laughs> so how does uh, how does Miss Gloria create boundaries of her own? Um, I do have by appointment only, so I do make appointments, and I do make exceptions sometimes on Sundays or Saturdays. Today, somebody twisted my arm for a Saturday appointment, um, but I try. I'm I'm very particular about also having my family time. So I need to be home. I need to be present. I need to cook dinner. I need to run my kids around everywhere. Um, so I, I I try very hard to make sure. So one of the things, especially when a mother or a father will call me and say, could you please help my daughter? Could you please help my son? Quite often, I'll, what I'll hear in their voice, Gloria, is that I'll say to them, what sounds to me like you're suffering a lot more than your son mm. or daughter. <laughs> could, could you come in and see me? And sometimes, particularly mamas, and I admire them above all. And when I say to them, have you ever flown on a plane? And I'll say to them, uh, when the flight attendant comes out and gives the oxygen mask instructions, mm -hmm. who do they tell you to put it on first? Yes. So I often tell people, what's good for you is going to be good for your son or your daughter mm -hmm. or the people in your life. What's good for you? Mm -hmm. Sometimes we, we've run into many people, Gloria, who have left themselves behind. Yeah. My mom, I know we talked about my dad, but my mom, it is, she's like my idol. And she does a lot of self-care. Um, she worked hard. Probably ran around like a crazy woman, had a, a flower shop, just, you know, when I was growing up mm -hmm. and probably didn't do as good of a job then. But as of late, like in the last, I don't know, five years, even 10 years, she's really good about self-care and just taking care. And she's really good about encouraging me. Um, yeah. How does that work? Ugh, it it works because she does. She will tell me that, like, you have to take care of yourself. But I don't have a problem with that because I love to play. I love to go out to, like, dancing one night. Or I love to go out to dinner with a friend. I have friends from all over. That's one of the beauties of Pittsburgh is you don't end up just having friends from your own where you grew up. But... Um, I have friends from India and, and Greece and Argentina and, and all kinds of places. And we go out to dinner. And and I definitely, there was a shift there where my kids were little. I would just leave and go have dinner with my friends. But my kids now that are young adults, I'll go out with them and just go have dinner or go out to eat or go to a movie or just do something fun. So it's okay to say no and still be a good person, Gloria? 
I have to say that you have to work very hard at saying no. And that is a balance that I can sit here and tell you that I think I've learned. Every once in a while, I get out of balance too. But you get back on the... That simply because someone is annoyed at you doesn't mean you should have said yes. Definitely. Definitely. And I'm sure on that Saturday, I'm going to be kicking myself like, why did I do this? <laughs> well, and I, I know what a good, kind-hearted person you you really are. However, at times somebody will say, well, gee, how are you doing? And I'll say, well, if I took half of the suggestions that I gave to my patients, probably a lot better. Probably, yep, yep. And you know what? And doesn't it happen to you that you hear your message when you're in that chair talking to somebody and you're like, you need to apply that to yourself? Um, yes. I, I love working with families because I have my own and I struggle with my own and my own balance, my own discipline, my own parenting, my own marriage um, definitely is something that helps me in my profession. Right. Simply because you're a mental health professional doesn't mean that everything in your world is, you're not walking through life like a Zen master. Nope. Not at all. Mm. I think that's what makes us good therapists. Well, at times I'll I'll preface or I'll couch a statement with, I want, when I'm saying this to you, I want to let you know that I'm painting myself with the same brush. Yes. Yeah. I think that would apply to me too. And, and raising my children here and being a bicultural family, my husband is, is black and Irish and my kids speak Spanish and they were raised here in Pittsburgh and they have, you know, dealt with identity and feeling proud of being Puerto Rican and also saying to me, don't speak Spanish to me, you're embarrassing me. Ah. And then I just go off in Spanish and yeah, now you're really going to hear Spanish. Okay. So we've, we've dealing with that and, and knowing that the families that come to me are dealing with some of that as well, whether they're both parents are Latino and their kids are assimilating or not assimilating, but having to live in this culture yes. and then the parents have different cultural expectations for them. So I think it helps me relate to what they're going through knowing. Well, I've worked uh, particularly also in the Muslim community. Mm. I work closely and still do with a uh, Muslim psychiatrist and have attended the mosque many times. And I've found that one of the things that particularly Muslim parents get so upset about is when their children get acculturalized to American society that it's very upsetting to them. Yeah, and I find that most of my teenagers come to me and they want therapy in English. They will speak Spanish when their parents are in like family therapy, yes. but they're most comfortable um, with me speaking English with them. Well, I've, I've often found that they don't want to be different than their than the the, the peers, yes, yeah. yes. So there's a German word, and it's called Zeitgeist, which is generally what the mood of a time. Okay, mm. and what we talk about on this show particularly is that the Zeitgeist of this particular area, eh, when we're living now, is that, and I'm not afraid to talk straight talk at all, that there's been a, a legitimization of hate. Hmm. Yes. And and again, speaking as a white male, 
I can't. It, one of the I think one of the most disrespectful things, Gloria, that a person can say to another one is, "I know how you feel," because hmm. no one can know how someone feels. Yeah. So, being again, have never been in that community. I try to help. I try to help people. Let me know how they feel or how it is to live in a, a certain community or uh, an ethnicity. But uh, that's, this is one of the reasons why I enjoy talking to you so much, that perhaps when with our audience to help people understand yeah. and how, how people can be an ally of the Latino community, how people can be an ally of the black community. So uh, to our white listeners out there, and they're saying, well, how can I be an ally? How can I help? How can I be an accomplice? What would you say? I think being curious. I think being curious. I think um, good old Latino way, everything starts with like food. So there is a lot of different restaurants in Pittsburgh that are Venezuelan, Colombian, Argentinian. Um, explore them. Take interest in the food. Take interest in the people, how to support them. Um, I think there's a lot of Latinos feel, living in fear of who is the next person that's going to see them at the store and say, speak English, you're in America. Um, and if you can prevent yourself from saying that to somebody who's speaking another language, that would be amazing as well. If you're curious about what they're talking about, ask them. The, I, I will bet you that they're not talking about you. <laughs> um, and I actually just got this last Sunday. Um, And I, I, this white man just told me, like, it just, it makes me uncomfortable. But there, nobody's talking about you. Like, really, if I'm talking to my daughter in Spanish, I'm, I'm not talking to you. And I, I don't mean that disrespectfully, but if you're having a conversation with your child in a public setting, it, it, there's no reason why I should be. Or if I don't speak English, then I'm not going to be speaking English. So I think being curious the other pieces you can ask me like so where are you from originally because i you know get that a lot um i think a lot of times we assume we're all mexican because that's the predominant could you say culture. that again please <laughs> yes uh, and i don't get offended one of my best friends is from mexico and i just i love my kids actually love tamales better than they love pasteles which is kind of the same in puerto rico but I'm not from Mexico. I'm from Puerto Rico, and they're two completely different cultures. And yeah, I think that's that's a commonality. <laughs> When people hear someone speaking Spanish, they automatically assume they're from Mexico. Yes. yes, and it's not a terrible thing. Implicit bias or the biases that we've grown up with. I'll tell you, my husband, when we met, assumed that was. From Mexico, the only experience he had had with Spanish was Mexican food in Mexico. He had to look up where Puerto Rico was at in order to be like, oh, okay, it's a different place. We different. We don't eat spicy. We eat salty, fried. <laughs> like it's just it's different. So, and again, I use a lot of twelve step references in both in my therapy and in my life. And there's a quote. Uh, in the 12-step book by the fellow by the name of Henry Spencer. He was a contemporary of Charles Darwin, and he said, there's a principle, 
paraphrase this, there's a principle which will keep a person in everlasting ignorance, and that principle is contempt prior to investigation. Yes. So yes. when we talk about when we talk about the difference between an expert's mind and a beginner's mind, uh, I kind of ask the person that say, "Have you ever seen a thoroughbred horse race?" They're big, magnificent animals, and they can do one thing, and they can do it well. However, what do they have over their eyes, Gloria? Gringolas. <laughs> <laughs> Blinders, yes. So they're unable to see any other mm -hmm. point of view. But naturally, you've probably been around a whole lot more children than I have. And a three- or a four-year-old, when they see something new, you can just see it in their face. It's like an eye of, they have however, a wonder and amazement about them. And I, I'm not too sure about when people lose mm. that sense of wonder and amazement about even being alive. Yeah, and it's important because we never stop learning. I'm, I'm, and I'm telling you, I, I'm not the expert in the Latino community. Like we have people that you need to find out. You need to be curious. Even when I meet another Latino, I'm like, "Where are you from?" And they're like you know, Honduras. I'm like, oh, that's awesome. But really, how much do I know about Honduras? Or how much do I really know about Guatemala or Ecuador? Like, I mean, I'm just curious. And I think everybody should be curious about other others' culture. And then you can share about your own. Because the other piece I get is this whole black and white thing. And when I ask you, so what is your ethnicity? What, what What is your ethnicity? Well, uh, my ethnicity would say, uh, well, my people are from Germany. However, for me to say my ethnicity is German, I'm sure a German would definitely disagree with me. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> But there's an origin. Yes. Because, you know, white just didn't come out of the United States. There's Italians or German or Irish. Like, Correct. we're all immigrants at one point into this country. So to have that premise of like the new immigrants is we are, we are all immigrants. We're all here in borrowed land. So to be curious about each other and what do they eat in Germany or what did you grow up eating? Um, one rule at my house is always you have to try it before you say, no, I don't like it. Because if you didn't try it, then you don't know if you liked it or not. I don't know. So the... What I use to explain contempt prior to investigation is asking someone if they want to, would you care for some broccoli? No, I hate broccoli. And then I'll say, and then the, thing, the contempt prior to investigation is, well, have you ever eaten broccoli? And they'd say no. <laughs> exactly, yeah. And I had some of, like, my kids eat everything. I don't know. I, I was blessed with them eating everything I fixed. Um, but their friends... Good Lord, they would come and be like, nope, I don't need this, I don't need that. We even took a friend of Cali's to New York, and we were looking for Latino restaurants at, like, Taiwanese, like, just anything ethnic, and she was like, just chicken nuggets and pizza. I'm like, no, you cannot just eat chicken. I worked so hard on that woman, <laughs> like, and she ended up trying different things and eating different things, but if you don't offer it or if you don't make it a part of your family experience then yeah you grow up with those like things on your side and this is the way life is and 
it is so not. The world is full of wonder and diversity and colors and amazing things to explore. So if there's a young woman or a young man out there, they don't have to be Latino or Hispanic, and they're saying, wow, Gloria, you've got it all together. <laughs> how, gee, uh, how, do I, how, do I, how do I get to be like you? What would you say to them? You have to look for the positive in everything. There's always a positive in, in the world, in another person. You have to always look for that positive intent. Um, I just think, I don't know, I, just, I have a curiosity about other people, um, a welcoming nature, an open nature to learn, to like be able to, to experiment different things. Curiosity and, and uh, opening, welcoming nature. Well, Gloria, you're delightful. Oh. It's uh, it's it's certainly <laughs> a pleasure to get to know you and have our audience get to know you too. And at the end of every uh, podcast, Gloria, we offer a free prescription, the only one that you and I can write, and that's <laughs> uh, fruits, nuts, and vegetables, and unplug your television, mm, and love it. Take and take up fishing, and for a truly mindful experience we suggest that you fish without bait. Do a kindness for yourself, do a kindness for another. Forgive yourself and forgive another. Till all are free, none are free. Namaste. Namaste. Please check out our website at fishingwithoutbait.com where you can listen to the show, comment on our discussions, and find out where you can subscribe to our podcast. If you're interested in flying the colors of Fishing Without Bait, click the shop icon on our website, We have clothing, mugs, cell phone cases, and so much more. Show the world that you fish without bait. This show is a member of the Sorgatron Media Podcast Network. Find out more at sorgatronmedia.com.